Hello and welcome back to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen. Joined today by good friends Bradford Sonnenberg and Ryan Kearney. You guys, there's a lot of football to get to. We took a bye week last week. I always like to take about two bye weeks every year. One early in late October and then one kind of directly following Thanksgiving. Uh, But we took our bye week last week, so we have a lot to talk about. And there's no better way to talk about it than just talking about every team in the NFL. So what I've tasked us with today, and we will get, I'll ask you how you're doing in a second, but we really can't waste time today. And I'm good at wasting time, as Ryan knows. So um, we are going to give the dictionary definitions of team seasons thus far. When you open up the NFL dictionary, what does it read in one to two sentences by each team? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all 10 trades today, likely. So many. Plus, we'll talk about the CMC trade and the Roquan trade and all those trades that we haven't talked about thus far on the pod. I've kind of been purposefully not talking about all the trades and did the buy purposefully last week so we could just talk about every trade that got made today. And we'll just have some fun, and, and that'll be it. Not not a ton of weekend. We, we'll obviously maybe talk about what happened this weekend, but this is more a general season overview of where each of these teams are. Bradford, how are you doing? You're here, and you're unmuted now. Oh, I, I see now. I am... How are you doing? I'm 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 incredible. I would I would describe my state of mind as frazzled at this particular moment. I'm I'm doing well. I, I realize now that I misunderstood the assignment that you tasked me with. I I I sought out words that I thought defined these teams, uh, like specifically like peculiar kind of bizarre abstract words to define these teams, as opposed to a dictionary definition of the teams. I instead opted for the dictionary definition of the word I would prescribe to the teams. Uh, so I, I realize now that I misunderstood the assignment that was given to me. That's fine. Bradford's will just be a little bit different. Some good variety. Ryan, how are you doing? What 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 hat do you have on? Is that a Blackhawks hat? No, actually, I got my Philadelphia Phillies hat on right now. Totally bandwagoning them in the World Series. We'll mention that Eric did schedule this podcast during World Series Game 3. So, you that know, that's is true. Okay. Uh, you know, I'll remember that next also, time you have a question also, to Donnie also, and I on a podcast uh, that maybe I'll reference later on uh, when you try to ask us about the Los Angeles Angels or another baseball team. I'll mark down Eric Fraud. That'll be really good to know. And I'll also mark down that <laughs> Professor <laughs> Jensen did not do a good job explaining the task to Bradford. Another minus for the host, Eric Jensen. You have many of those on an Eric hosted show. And this is the first time I've ever decided to rebuttal back against Eric other than saying I'm doing good. So that's an accurate representation of how I'm doing. Eric, back to <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that. And Donnie already thinks I'm a fraud when it comes to baseball. I know. And it's true. I know. And, and it's true. Uh, but I do have the Rangers on in the background. I think I'm going to go to the Oilers here uh, very soon. Nashville's not very good, Bradford, so you guys should get that dubbed tonight. Nashville scored in the first seven seconds of the game. I oh. Yeah, I was I had half a mind to perhaps have the game on in the background, but I wonder if it'd be better for my mental state to just instead focus on this instead of my poor Oilers getting absolutely crushed by an inferior opponent, as I've gotten used to. 
have the Blackhawks doing, Ryan? We'll just do a minute of hockey talk here. You know, I will share the Blackhawks are definitely doing better than I expected, but it's very early on and we still want Connor Bedard. Let's keep an eye on the prize. Let's not win too many games. And so we can maximize our potential to get the star forward from the Regina Pats. But at this point in time, they're playing better than I thought. Max Domi, Andreas Athanasiu, they've looked okay. So, you know, I guess the Blackhawks are giving me a little bit more excitement than I uh, had anticipated. Uh, but now the calendar ships to November. So, you know, we'll see if uh, if that, you know, continues to hold for much longer. Why couldn't um, Athanasiu play like that in Edmonton? It drove me crazy. Like, he's been he's been scoring, like, highlight real goals every night. Oh, yeah. like, how, about, how about that Oilers-Blackhawks game? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was, was a heck just... of a game. No yeah. more Duncan Keith. I, I miss watching Duncan Keith out there. That's what I keep saying in when I watch the Hawks and the Oilers play. So the Avs are kind of on their bye week this week. Uh, I don't believe they play until Saturday, I want to say. And it also doesn't help. I, I, I wasn't thrilled by their last performance. They got tremendous goaltending out of Pavel French, though, and still ended up losing to, I want to say, the Capitals. No, the Devils. That's who it was the New Jersey Devils, and then they totally choked away the game against the Islanders the next night, which was sad and depressing since I guess, I don't know, Islanders don't seem great to me, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyhow, we'll get to football now. Here we are at football. Let's just randomly spin the wheel, and I'll just get us started here. Let me pull up my thing. Let's start with the AFC North. Start with the Ravens. Ravens, let's get this defense fixed. We are going to need it down the stretch. Can we get Lamar to be special for a six-week stretch? That would be the dictionary definition of the Ravens thus far. Obviously, the big trade for Roquan Smith to shore up that defense that has not looked great through the first half of the year. I would argue they've gotten slightly better every week. Hopefully this trade puts them on the right path. But at the same time, some concerning news out of Baltimore, Rashad Bateman expected to be out for multiple weeks. It doesn't seem like they have a ton of pass catchers healthy right now. Mark Andrews is dealing with an injury as well. It's kind of undisclosed. They seem higher on him. Gus Edwards might be out a few more weeks now, and they're without J.K. Dobbins for at least five more weeks. It seems like a team that in a division that's sort of weak, but also sort of wide open, they just need to get healthy right now. And they need to have Lamar Jackson carry them for a few weeks. And honestly, since maybe week one, Lamar has not carried them this season. With Lamar, it's just been he'll 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 hit you with these flashes of brilliant inspiration, and then he'll he'll leave you wanting. And in, in the fourth quarter, I find more often than not with just some truly bizarre throws and decisions. I think I mean their uh, their uh, tendency to collapse in a lot of these games. I think definitely has more to do with the defense than the offense, as you were saying. But you know, if Lamar Lamar wants the money, that I mean, he could still probably get anyways. He's got to clean that up. I, I, he just has this weird tendency to like when he's trying to force things, he just loses focus and, and makes some truly baffling decisions that keep coming back to to haunt them or almost haunt them in the case of the last couple of games that they've played. 
Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, I'm interested to see how they do with obviously the addition of Roquan Smith in the middle of that defense, still playing some pretty good football. So hopefully the defense can start to balance out a little bit more and not be as reliant on, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson to do as much on the offensive side. But um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I agree with, uh, with all those points. Don't have uh, too much more to add on the Ravens. there. Yeah. So that's for Baltimore Ravens right now. Um, surprisingly like, shockingly poor coaching job i think thus far this year i would say this is one of the first seasons watching football over the past eight to ten years that i remember john harbaugh having a bad season but i I would define this as a bad season the defense hasn't been great they've lost some close games because of weird coaching decisions it's just a weird year in Baltimore right now, but here they are. They're, they're sitting at the top of the division. Let's move on. The Browns. If you squint hard enough, we are really still in this thing. Are they? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's an interesting thing to say. I mean, I think they're probably still waiting for when Deshaun Watson comes back. Uh, from his suspension to really, you know, see how seriously they can kind of take that. But I think they played respectable football, but I think that the big difference is, uh, you know, I'm not sure if their offensive line is quite to the level that it's been in, in kind of recent years where uh, they're so reliant on Nick Chubb to go out and, and mix, you know, a lot happen that I'm not sure they have enough offense outside of that uh, to kind of complement, uh, you know, what Chubb can do uh you know in the run game so i mean i guess that's a pretty fair definition like you you maybe can kind of convince yourself that uh they're still in it but um yeah i think they kind of know their place uh at this point um that they're just kind of waiting for for watson to come back before they can you know really start taking him too seriously bradford your thoughts uh my thoughts on the browns i i think that they are a perfectly mediocre franchise with a with a with a very ominous aura, uh, aura to them right now that makes me hesitant to believe in them. It just sort of feels like there's almost an element of karma at play with a lot of the games that they've been a uh, uh, been very close to winning. I mean, yeah, sure the the big win over the Bengals is very nice, but I I don't I don't know like. I watching the Browns, I see a team like just a mediocre team. And I'm having trouble rectifying that with, you know, my my previous experience of watching the NFL for for many years versus kind of the insane mediocrity of a heap of mediocre heap of mediocrity that that these teams are like, uh, maybe this Browns team in another year would be the mediocre non-contender that I think it is, but in a year like this, I it's all been turned on its head, and I don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah, the Browns' defense, for the first time all year, looked really competent last night. That game was just domination from start to finish by the Browns. They won it on the ground. They won it with their defense. And if they can keep that up, who knows? They they might stick around in this thing. Obviously, still waiting for Deshaun Watson to get back, but they are still alive. They have, you know, they're, they're three and five and they're, they're only two games out of the division lead. So it's, it's, it's not, it's not like they're dead. Final, uh, third team here. It's a rebuilding nine and eight season. We got to go back to Steelers football this off season though. 
fix this defense. And the defense made a trade for William Jackson today, of the formerly of the Commanders. Ryan, obviously you watch a lot of the NFC East. You know, Jackson is a very traitsy corner, but he's not put together a ton of great seasons. He had a good one a few years back, I remember, but he's kind of up and down and I, I would define him as a replacement level corner with high upside if he's in the right area coaching. Feels like a very Steelers E move. What do you make of what they did of trade deadline? They also shipped off Chase Claypool. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I think William Jackson uh, himself is, yeah, a pretty good player, but at the age of 30, I'm not sure how much longer he'll kind of be a long-term fit for the Steelers, um, you know, much longer than a season or even next year, uh, kind of at its maximum. I was, uh, wasn't was too terribly surprised about the Chase Claypool trade. Uh, on the flip side, I think there were a lot of rumors and just seemed like um, he didn't necessarily mesh the best in Pittsburgh, although I do think he is a talented receiver. Uh, I do think he has some things to like in his game. He's a very physical receiver and even has some good speed too so I think that in a, a team like the Bears where he's going he could help out a young quarterback like Justin Fields give himself another weapon um, I think an interesting point to that is we also saw a report that the Packers had tried to trade uh, for Claypool so you wonder if the Bears were you know kind of dueling that trade as well we're keeping him away from the Packers haha ha. hopefully they missed the playoffs and also we're giving our young quarterback another weapon in a year where we just traded away two uh, of our top pieces on defense at the same time so uh, that's what I think was interesting for the Steelers. Uh, you know, they get a little bit of an immediate ad with Jackson and trade away Claypool, uh, maybe giving a little bit more of a role to, you know, some of their other guys like Deontay Johnson and George Pickens in his rookie year. So, um, that's kind of what I think there, there, I, I, you're, I think you're spot on and saying they're still in that rebuild phase. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, they can do a better job at protecting Kenny Pickett. Uh, I thought that may be an area that if they were looking to add an immediate piece, that would have been where I would go more so than cornerback. But um, other than that, I think that uh, you're pretty realistic about where the Steelers are going. Yeah, I do. I do think rebuilding is an interesting term because I know that it doesn't look great right now, but I really do think Tomlin's going to have another winning season. I really yeah. do think they, they I will win that. I really do think down the stretch, the running game will get it figured out. Najee Harris is too good to be, you know. Not yeah. Like, uh, so that was my my one comment I had when you said nine and eight. That's ridiculous. This team is garbage. This is just a, a bad, bad team. It's not Tomlin's fault. They're devoid of talent. I I don't. Where are you getting I nine just wins total, from? I totally disagree with that. You know, Deontay Johnson is one of the more undervalued wide receivers. But they have some good players. Yes. In the I'm NFL, not... they, they like George Pickens has played pretty well. I think they have the pieces on offense and not to mention TJ Watts coming back from injured reserves. Like they are going to get him back this season. And I think that's going to completely change the defense for in a really good way. So I, I do think that there's, and I mean, what are they at right now? What, like three wins four? Uh, I got to pull up the NFL standings right now. Just so I have them up here. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, there are two wins right now, but the schedule isn't crazy. And I just believe in Mike Tomlin and the coaching job he can do. And I, I just think they're well coached. So that that's why I believe, say what I say about the Steelers, but I understand, I understand where you're coming from as well, Bradford. 
What happened to you being the number one Kenny Pickett hater in the land? He's he's just bad. I was defending him the first guy. Like, it's just baffling decision-making from him. Like, I mean, not that he can't get better, but I just, I don't, I, I don't know. Perhaps I, I have not watched the TJ Watt Steelers recently enough to remember what a difference he truly is. Because in years previous, it, it almost feels like this is what the team would be without TJ Watt, where it's like they win all these close games and those that margin is made up by TJ Watt. So perhaps there's an element of recency bias in me suggesting that they're not going to have a winning record. But I just haven't watched them play. I just, oh, it's it's hard to it's hard to say they will be. I uh, <laughs> they do not look very good. All right. Finally, the Bengals. Rest in peace, YB. Well, we're probably <sighs> screwed. we're probably screwed. The offensive line still stinks, and we don't have the player that makes our offense special. I'm I'm about as down as you can get on the Bengals right now. They they do not look like a good organization right now. They they look like they invested a ton of capital into offensive line players that did not improve their offensive line. They got absolutely bullied by the Browns last night. And right when you thought the offense was getting it figured out, you lose Jamar Chase. And I don't care how good T. Higgins is. If you lose Jamar Chase, your offense is going to get significantly worse. And they, they just feel like a team that's not in, in a really deep AFC. I don't think they're going to make enough. I don't think they're going to win enough games to make the playoffs. That's just how I feel about the Bengals right now. Am I crazy to think about, Ryan? Uh, no, I think you're pretty spot on, uh, especially in saying that without Jamar Chase, they're an entirely different team, which, uh, you know, they even hadn't been necessarily performing on, you know, top cylinder, full gear, even with Jamar Chase, uh, looking at how they did uh, last year, how they finished getting all the way to the Super Bowl, of course, but um, you definitely still a lot of glaring holes on the offensive line uh, that, you know, really kind of hold them back of what the potential that offense could be. And as a result, uh, their defense isn't good enough to kind of bail them out of games and uh, win when and their offense only scores a touchdown or two, for example. So uh, I think that's uh, that's that's pretty spot on and uh, kind of goes to show how the Bengals have really just been, you know, one of the bigger disappointments in the NFL this season, obviously coming after a year where they won the AFC. Do you think the ownership will change? I, I know that they are the most stubborn ownership in the NFL, but do you think if they miss the playoffs this year, ownership will make a change at coaching? Um, I mean, I think it's possible, but I think that, uh, I think they're going to keep Taylor around. Uh, I think you go to a Super Bowl. it's tough to kind of knock him unless, you know, all goes wrong, which I don't think they're quite at that point yet. So, uh, I would say, no, I think Taylor is going to, is, is good enough in a, in a spot where he can come back at least for next year. And, uh, maybe if it's the same deal, another off season where they don't touch the O line and the offense can't, uh, you know, operate to, well, to that's, that, that, that's, that, a different that, story. that's an unfair characterization. Because they did touch the offensive line. They made a ton of moves to try to make this offensive line better this year. Lyle Collins being the biggest of all of them. And they tried, but they the failed. Moves, the moves failed. But to say they didn't try is an unfair characterization, I feel. They, because they did try. They they invested almost all their capital into the offensive line. But this, like 31 NFL teams are also trying, but it comes down to the results of how they perform and it didn't get, I, get, I, get I guess get that's done. true. I, that that is true, but I I just I just feel like I, I still do give them some credit. It's it's not their fault that Lyle Collins has been not good. Like that's 
It's not necessarily their fault. Everybody thought that they, during the off season, we were praising what they did on the offensive line. It, not a lot of people saw this coming is just the way I kind of feel about it. Bradford, any thoughts on the Bengals? And then we'll move on. Uh, yes. Uh, with the Bengals, I, Zach Taylor's holding them back. He's the problem. Joe Burrow is incredible. And if they do not do something about the play calling, I'm not saying fire Zach Taylor, but they'll at least delegate the play calling to somebody else. They will find the season to be a grand disappointment. Interesting. All right. I'm going to throw it to you, Bradford. Why don't you take it away with, with one of your divisions here? My divisions? Sorry, one second. I'm trying to pull up my notes here on my my computer. All right. I would like to I would like to begin with a division that has a very uh, fond place in my heart. It is my own beloved AFC West. I believe a division that you find yourself fond of as well, as, yes. it, as it holds our favorite sports teams, uh, for better or for worse. And I, this is the one that I, I took the most glee in, in coming up with the words for. Now, I got to say, I did misunderstand the assignment, but I'm also very confused by your approach to it. De your definitions were like internal monologues. Is this definite? Is, is this dictionary like teams talking to themselves? I'm, I'm confused by what you think a dictionary is. It's not <laughs> words talking to themselves, Eric. I don't, I'm, I'm just I, I definitely confused. understand where you're coming from, Bradford. It makes a lot of sense. Maybe like <laughs> defining phrases. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad that the, I'm glad that I left this open-ended. I'm glad that I left this open-ended. I'm interested to see what you come up with. Okay. So the words that I have chosen like I was saying, instead of coming up with a whole description, I, I picked certain words to describe uh, these teams. And for to begin, I'm going to start. You know what? I'm going to start with the best. I'm going to start with my own beloved Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and the word that I picked out to describe the Chiefs, I was between a couple, but I settled on pulchritudinous, which is a word essentially meaning uh, it's, 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 it's hard to put in words. It's, it's sort of like an automatic beauty, which is how I view the chiefs and their operation. I find them to be there. There's something beautiful about watching them. It's, it's poetry in motion. It's so, no matter how improbable it is, it just, i it feels like there's this automatic expectation of, uh, of beauty in the way that they play. And it's, it's not always perfect, but it just always ends up being uh, uh, more than the sum of its parts in a, in a in sort of a a grandiose way. So that's that's the description I've chosen for the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I th I think that's fair. I think they are by far the best team in this division. I don't think it's particularly close. I think every one of the teams in the division came into the season thinking they were right on the heels of the Kansas City Chiefs, and the truth is. Every one of those organizations not named the Kansas City Chiefs are miles and miles and miles away from catching up with the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, maybe the Chargers are the closest because they have a quarterback, but everyone, everything else about them is totally dysfunctional. You know, I, I think it's a great pokertudinous. Pulchertudinous. Yes. It's not a word that uh, you, you, you hear very often. I, I had heard of it once before in a book, but I didn't remember it. And I was going through a list of synonyms for different words I was looking for. And I thought, I thought it was just pretentious enough for this exercise. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's good. My, my one note, 
loved the Kadarius Tony trade. Loved it. I mean, I I just Andy Reid's gonna find a way to use him. And if he can stay healthy, that's the biggest thing for him. If he can stay healthy, and if the Giants really just didn't like him because Dable didn't like him, then he's gonna be a contributor on this offense and immediately gives them a deep threat, which is going to force them. They are seeing the most man coverage in the NFL right now. They, If they get a guy that can stretch the field again and beat you deep when you play in man coverage, that, that changes things for them. Uh, interested to see what the Isaiah Pacheco quote-unquote news means. They kind of imposed him as the quote-unquote starter in that Bills game or, or the game after. But he didn't see more snaps than Clyde Edwards-Alaire and wasn't more productive. So very interested to see how that plays out. Ryan, any just, thoughts on the Chiefs? Sorry, Ryan, before you go, I just I just want to follow up on it really quick. I also love the, the, uh, the, the Tony trade, but I, I just want to say this. Real Chiefs sickos know the truth. Jarek McKinnon is the best running back on this team. I don't know what needs to happen for them to believe it and see it, but I just want to put that out into the, into the airwaves. Jarek McKinnon is the guy. I love Pacheco. I don't hate Clyde. Every time McKinnon has the ball, he does something electric. That's 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 all I wanted to say. Yeah, actually, uh, both of you, I thought, made great points. Definitely have been a big Jarek McKinnon fan and, and agree with that point, Bradford. And kind of going back to what Eric was saying on the Tony trade, the fact that it is so good is because it does potentially open up for, you know, more options. You mentioned the man coverage. And if you have a deep threat that changes things, well, kind of like specifically on that, it affects how you use your safeties because you're using your corners and man coverage. Where are you deploying your safeties? So do you need to have two guys back deep to stop the deep ball? Or can you bring a guy down low and double team a guy like Travis Kelsey, who's one of the most dominant middle of the field players and you know the history of the nfl so i think that specifically is how things change for the chiefs offense when they do have that threat uh to go deep to go vertical and they have other guys that can do it sure michael hardman marquez valdez scantling um but i think when you add a guy like tony that's just another big time threat that keeps your eye just slightly off of travis kelsey that um, could make all the difference in the world uh for that chiefs offense bradford the next team uh, yes, the next team uh, on my list here. Okay, I would like to go. I would like to go to a team that I've I've been known for being a little bit of not the biggest fan of, or at least the coverage involving them. I'm going to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers, <laughs> and the word that I picked to describe the Chargers is ersatz, which is essentially a word meaning uh, a false imitation or perhaps something that people speak of as if it's one thing, when in reality, it's actually an inferior version of the thing they compare it to. Now, when I think of the Chargers, and I think of this whole season, I, I think often of all the Brandon Staley think pieces I read in the offseason, or even heard throughout last year. Brandon Staley, boy genius. Brandon Staley, the next evolution. People talk about Brandon Staley as if he's, you know, this brilliant offensive mind that single-handedly revolutionized the game of football. Now, it turns out, in the same division, there's a, albeit slightly older and larger coach, who is that guy, Andy Reid. But people talk about Staley as if he's Andy Reid, or he has some version of Andy Reid's resume, perhaps not as an offensive lineman. The thought of Brandon Staley playing offensive line is, is honestly hilarious. But, like... I find a similar comparison with Justin Herbert. Now, 
I do not blame any of the Chargers' struggles on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is a phenomenal talent. But to see him picked as such a almost consensus MVP up with Josh Allen was bizarre to me. People talk about uh, 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 Herbert as if he has some sort of comparable resume to a guy like Mahomes or Allen. And it's just, it this, this whole Chargers team has just been a, a very fraudulent experience. They have been very unlucky with injuries. Uh, and you could point that to being out of their control. But I could also point to you that the Chargers are just cursed by fate almost to experience this kind of thing every year. And if you didn't see this coming, you, you you're a fool. Yeah, mark me down as a fool for sure. Uh, I thought this year, <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought, I thought this year was gonna be different. I really did. Like looking back at the off season, and I don't remember a lot from the off season. I won't lie. I have a very small brain, but uh, the one thing I can like confidently say I was so wrong on was the Chargers. Like at every turn. I was wrong about the Chargers, and I just doubled down constantly, even more so than the Broncos, I would argue. I would argue I was more wrong this offseason about the Chargers than I was the Broncos, because the Broncos, I I was aware that things could go wrong. But the Chargers, I thought, no way. This team is a no-doubt number three seed. They're going to win 12 to 13 games, and and they just aren't mainly because their coach is bad. Brandon Staley is just not not good at his job. They really do need to move on from him this offseason and find a guy that is an offensive-minded head coach to set with Herbert. And then, honestly, they need to retool everything around Herbert because Keenan Allen's getting older. Mike Williams is getting older. Like, Austin Eckler's getting up there in age. You need to spend heavy draft capital and free agent money on young, talented skill position players because your core, your quote unquote core of your offense is aging out and has injury problems. So like it, it it's it's time to move on. It's time to retool around Justin Herbert and realize that you have a generational passer and if you want to capitalize and be a playoff team and try to win a Super Bowl and try to make the Los Angeles Chargers relevant in Los Angeles, which let's be honest, right now they're not, like you just you need to make huge swings in the offseason, even bigger than this offseason. Because frankly, your defensive moves outside of um Khalil Mack didn't work. JC Jackson has been terrible this year. Just an awful football player. Not not good in coverage. Well, he's out, he's out for the year now. Yeah, but when he played, he was terrible. When he played, he was terrible. And I know you have him next year because you gave him a huge contract, but like he was terrible when he played this year. I don't care if he was hurt; he was absolutely terrible. So, yeah, yeah, I I don't know. It, it, it's unfortunate with the Chargers. Ryan, any thoughts on them? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's tough because uh, looking back to the offseason, which you both referenced, I was higher on the Chargers because I liked their offseason moves. I thought they did a good job of, you know, surrounding Herbert with more talent. And some of that was on the offensive line. Some of that was helping him out by giving him a better defense. But unfortunately, outside of even J.C. Jackson, you know, we see Rashawn Slater on IR, former first-round pick offensive tackle, Joey Bosa on injured reserve. Obviously, your top pass rusher that was supposed to be a dynamic duo opposite of Khalil Mack. Mike Williams has been out and missing, you know, a handful of weeks, which in 
unfortunately has kind of been something that we've seen throughout his career as uh, when he's out there, he's a really good target for Herbert, but unfortunately he's not always available. So I think they've dealt with a lot of injury adversity and they haven't necessarily been able to kind of push through uh, that to this point yet, but um, you know, they're still in a position where they're kind of hanging around. Maybe they could qualify for a wild card spot. And uh, I still, you know, as we, all three of us mentioned, we still like Herbert overall. It's just, he can't carry the world on, on his back, like a guy like Patrick Mahomes, for example, in certain cases. So um, yeah, I think that's all good points. And uh, yeah, the chargers have kind of been an interesting story to follow, but I think a lot of it, you know, unfortunately it has to come down to their injuries that they've faced this year so far. All right, Bradford, let's get to the pain. Now, this is one that I, I had a word come to mind the second I started this exercise, but I wanted to sit on it a while. I, I wanted to see if I could find a word as pretentious and complicated as some of the other words that I managed to stumble upon for this assignment, but <laughs> the only word that I could think of to describe the Broncos, I feel in your heart you already know what's coming. The word I would I would use is uh, dangerous. Now, not dangerous in the sense <laughs> no. they are a danger to others, <laughs> but I would describe them as dangerous in terms of a viewing experience, as a as a fandom, as a uh, 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 to those who possess eyes and a love of football, or at least one of the two. I, although I, I don't I don't suppose there's very many blind football fans out there, but there must be some. Uh, they are having a better time watching the Broncos than you or I. It is a dark, dark experience. And I would I would classify them as dangerous. I mean, they 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 showed a modicum of um, watchability in their last game against the Jaguars, although it was not it was not particularly great. Russ Russ had a throw or two that was he instead of being horrific, he was simply bad for most of that game, which is a large upgrade. But uh, I would describe the Broncos' viewing experience as as dangerous. Eric, do you have any <laughs> have any thoughts on the Broncos? uh yeah i mean yeah i i mean honestly that's that's i i would have chose something like disappointing or um <laughs> calamitous um but dangerous works i mean like to think from what we were talking about in April when Russ got traded and all the hype that led up through the summer to think they'd be sellers at the trade deadline, which they were today. We got rid of Bradley Chubb, which I understand he probably wasn't going to resign and you needed to get something for him, but still it sucks. He was the fifth overall pick. He never performed at that level until this year. Really, this has by far been the best year of Bradley Chubb's career, period. And all you were able to get was the 49ers draft pick for him, which based on how the 49ers are trending right now and the weakness of the NFC in general, they're going to be in the title game. And that's going to be like the 28th pick in the draft. To get the 28th pick in the draft for a guy that's going to be an immediate contributor on the Dolphins and immediately make that one of the best defenses in the NFL period is disheartening and sad and pathetic. And, and George Payton had to make the move because, honestly, he made bad moves to 
to trade for Wilson. And I, I don't blame him for trading for Wilson. You thought he was good, but then to give him a massive contract over five years, sight unseen, before he had even played a snap, just is such a massive misstep. I mean, and, and the sad truth is this. The Broncos wanted to trade more players. There was talk about Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. But the fact is this. Over the past three years, I've been talking up the Broncos' weapons. And I think we all have as this team is just a quarterback away. And even though Russ has been bad, I think we have seen this year that they do not have the weapons we thought they had. Cortland Sutton is not the guy. He 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 he's a fine guy, and in a different situation, he might go off. But he he is not consistent enough to be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Jerry Judy has a massive drop problem and disappears for large stretches of games, and KJ Hamler has made five plays that I can think of on the year. It it has not been good. Alberto hasn't played since week five. They they just have honestly with that first round pick, they should look very, very legitimately at drafting a wide receiver because they, they just don't have any receiving talent. And maybe that's what is contributing to Russ. I don't think so. I think Russ is just bad, but you just traded the player that made your defense really special away. And I don't like what that says to a locker room full of guys that are already pretty divided because the offense isn't good. I think it's going to get really ugly down the stretch. I think, uh, you know, it sure. Nathaniel Hackett may have staved off his firing until January with a win in London, but he's still gone. This is, this is going to get uglier. They do not have an easy schedule the rest of the way. Their easiest game is maybe the Carolina Panthers, and even they are starting to figure things out. So it's just not not good times ahead in Denver. There's going to be a lot of losing the rest of the way. So it's unfortunate, but I, dangerous is, is definitely a good word. Yeah, dangerous to Eric. We need to yeah. we need to save Eric, the Broncos. They're they're hurting our guy. It's it's sad to see. Yeah. It's disappointing. Um, all right. The only bright spot about this division is the Raiders, which you know I dislike maybe more than any team in the NFL. Um, pretty unlikable. Uh, also pretty bad. There. Well, yeah. How did you describe? What's the word? Uh, I was between a couple different words, many different uh, variations of death. But I, I, I've chosen, I've chosen the word for now. I've chosen the word comatose because I think perhaps in a future season, like next year, there's a chance they wake up a little bit, but for now they are, I would describe them as uh, lethargic. I would describe them as sleepy. And if they don't start uh, making progress soon, they might not pull through out of this comatose state and they might just, they, they, they might just, uh, pass away into a future that I have a sneaking suspicion will involve a little too much Zach Wilson. So for the Raiders, I, I, something is just so fundamentally just wrong with this team. I mean, uh, I, I suppose you as a Broncos fan could have told anyone that Josh McDaniels is not going to be a good experiment, but 
I mean, Derek Carr, he's not as good as some people like to say, but he's never, he's not this bad, right? Like, it's it shocked me just how poor his play has been and this- how much a, a non-factor Devontae Adams has been in a lot of these games. He's been... He's he's been uh, more uh, effective beating up cameramen than than cornerbacks. It just it doesn't make any sense. This has yeah, been I, just uh, just quickly. I just want to say same could be said for Hunter Renfro. I mean, where has he been this year? He was one of the top receivers sure. on his own last year before Darren they got Waller. hurt, and he's been invisible. Waller's been hurt too and bad. <laughs> yeah, it seems like every single piece on their offense took a step back. And it it does not help that this is this is literally I would argue the worst year of Derek Carr's career. This is the worst Easily. he has ever been. This is the worst he has ever been as a quarterback. He is so so bad right now. Um, they're not coming back from this either. I mean, Josh McDaniels, he'll be lucky to last until mid December. It's clear that Mark Davis is already fed up. He's had not one, but two private meetings with him directly before he talks to the press twice in like twice in a season to have your boss pull you aside before you get to a press conference. That's, that's a really bad sign. And I mean, Josh Jacobs is the only redeeming quality about this Raiders team right now. He's having a career year and yet they still refuse to use him. I would argue what happened in New Orleans this week was the worst NFL performance of the entire year, period. End yeah, I think that's that's probably pretty fair. And even with Josh Jacobs, even on that note, Eric, he's a free agent at the end of this year. And are you going to pay a running back? Like, there's no guarantee he's even around, uh, you know, past this season. Yeah, it's just things are not good in Vegas. Things are certainly not good in Vegas. All right, Ryan, where do you want to go? Oh, I can uh, I can head over to the NFC North, uh, you know, not necessarily the best division in football, but there is one good team in this division. And I'll start with the Minnesota Vikings and saying that if they have good Kirk Cousins right now, we often see bad Kirk Cousins. This year seems to be a good Kirk Cousins, but can we get a great Kirk Cousins? That is the big question that I have for the Minnesota Vikings right now, because we know that their offense relies heavily on the run game with Delvin cook. They'll hit you with some play action to Justin Jefferson, but then they're kind of limited outside of that. Well, they just went out and they traded for TJ Hawkinson, the replacement for Irv Smith who is injured. Can we get a great Kirk cousins? Can we get Kirk cousins to make some plays out of structure? We saw him have a rushing touchdown. That was pretty fun. Can we get a great Kirk cousins? We've seen him win in the playoffs at this point. We always knock him for primetime game losses. Can he break through? Can we see him take steps up in his game and elevate the level of the Minnesota Vikings? They've gotten off to a good start, but we've seen it in the regular season from them in the past. We've seen it from Kirk cousins in the regular season in the past. We've even seen it now where he's won a playoff game as Kirk cousins, but can we get a great Kirk Cousins to elevate the Minnesota Vikings to get to a Super Bowl to win a Super Bowl that is the big question that I have about the Minnesota Vikings the answer is no uh Bradford please take note here uh if I get if I start getting excited about the Vikings come December because they are about to win a bunch of games their offense is going to get a lot better with TJ Hawkinson TJ Hawkinson is an elite player but If I get excited in December and I say something crazy like, man, they're a real player in the NFC, point me back to this episode. No. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. They will not be a player in the NFC. They they might win 12 games. Sure. 
that's great. They might win 13 games. That, that That's also great. But come the playoffs, they're going to crumble because they are the Minnesota Vikings and they have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. And if you are a franchise that is the Minnesota Vikings and you have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, that's a recipe for disaster. No, thank you. The Vikings, I, while I appreciate this, this portion of, you know, I appreciate this exercise. The Vikings are going to be one of the teams that I just say, I do not believe in. I will never believe in them until, until they win a Super Bowl. You win a Super Bowl, I'll believe in you. But like, until you do that, no. Sorry. I, I, I'm just going to answer everything Ryan just said with no. You can disagree, Bradford, but they are still the Minnesota Vikings. In conceptuality, I agree with where you're coming, but there's there's a couple things you haven't considered. Well, yes, I agree with you that they are going to go on a tear winning games here, and I think they're a pretty good team. But there's something that you haven't taken into account. There's something that you haven't considered. See, you know, we've both been subscribed to the Kirk Cousins experience against our will for many years as NFL fans. Uh, but in a year where mediocrity is the, is the bottom line, in a, in a league where all the teams seem, seem to have been poisoned with a Kirk Cousinist existence, who else to rise above them but Kirk Cousins is all I ask to you. If there was ever a year where the Kirk Cousin-led Minnesota Vikings were to accomplish something relevant, I believe it would be this year. And although I believe their fate is to have like, uh, you know, their 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 shit kicked in in the NFC get, uh, title game against the Eagles, who knows? I, I I wouldn't write them off completely because you have to keep in mind this is a very talented roster. And if there was ever a year that Kirk Cousins was to rise above the herd. It would be it would be this one. That's all I have to say about the Vikings. I also love the Hawkinson trade. All right, next team. All right, let's move on to uh, the Green Bay Packers. And wow, is this a shitstorm of a team at this moment in time. But here is the matter of facts with the Green Bay Packers. They have a legendary quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is still throwing passes for the Green Bay Packers. But the problem is... We overthink what we do around this legendary quarterback who wears number 12 and throws passes with his right hand. They traded away Devontae Adams, his number one target, his far and away star receiver, the guy who made this offense function for just a first round pick that they decided to use on another Georgia defensive player, which I'm not knocking either Devontae Wyatt or the, uh, who's, who, who's the other guy they got there? Quay Walker. Quay Walker's out of here. Sorry for forgetting your name, Quay Walker. You've had a great season. But overthinking what you do Pat around Bebo, Rogers. I would They're... argue I, I, I'm going to push back on that immediately. Okay. The Packers, Trading Devontae Adams. The Packers, no, no, no. Uh, on giving credit to any defensive players on the Packers. Their defense has been terrible this year. They're soft. Oh, they get has. pushed around every single week. I'm not giving anyone on that defense any flowers whatsoever. No one's been good. It's a terrible defense. It is. That's part of the I, problem. That is where I'm going with this because they overthink what they did around Aaron Rodgers. They opted to go with the strategy of, oh, let's load up this defense instead of, oh, let's surround this guy with already the existing number one receiver in our offense, the guy who makes it go around. You trade him away and you're spending all this extra money on, you know, already having re-signed Aaron Jones, who's slotted to make 20 million, you know, next season. You're already paying, uh, you know, Preston Smith uh, $11 million on, you know, your defensive line. And that's fine. You need edge rushers. You already got Kenny Clark paying, you know, making 
lot of money too. Adrian Amos, you know, you're, you don't necessarily, you could have cut there. Like there's other areas of this team you could have knocked before you trade away Devontae Adams. And they're just seeing that the offense just cannot function. Their defense isn't good enough to shut down teams and win when they're only, you know, scoring one or two touchdowns in a game. So uh, they, they overthink what they do around Aaron Rodgers. That's the problem with the Packers. And who knows, they could, you know, just kind of run on, you know, another Aaron Rodgers miracle run where they, you know, sneak into the wild card round and make some damage in the playoffs and lose another NFC title game. But it just seems like there's a lot of impending doom with the Packers and um, really it just seems like a big ax, uh, you know, losing Devontae Adams out there. It seems to really kind of cost him when you watch him on Sundays now. All I have to say is I don't believe Brian Gutekunst should survive this season. I, 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 I think that Aaron Rodgers has never liked this guy. And even though you have him under contract, it, it's time to admit you don't have a backup plan behind him. Jordan Love is not that guy. And you, you have you have two years. Probably, maybe one. You have one or two more years, and 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 Rogers' play has declined. He he has not had a good season, um, but they've got to make massive swings. They've they've got a mortgage for future basically this off season to get him weapons and try to build out the offense because they've got another year of Aaron Rodgers, and that's it. Because it, you can see the end of the tunnel coming. That's all I have to say, Brad. Well, he signed here? his new deal till twenty twenty six. I don't think he's done after next year. I don't know. He talks like he's going to be done after next year. Well, he, his actions are that he just signed a contract extension. Oh. Aaron Rodgers is somebody who I I I have given up trying to read into his motivations for doing things, but I I think with the Packers. I don't know. I, I think they made a tactical error. I don't think Gutekunst is a terrible GM, but I think they made a tactical error in not seizing the opportunity to get a absolute haul uh, for Rodgers and, and, and kind of building towards a new future, probably not around Jordan Love, but I think they're going to exist in a state of unfortunate mediocrity for the time being until they inevitably end up with some other Hall yeah. of Fame quarterback that carries them for the next two decades. I think that's a great point, uh, Bradford, because we have seen the Packers do this with the legendary quarterback. And yeah, it was Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers was the young guy coming up under him. They already made the move to trade up for Jordan Love. They easily could have cut ties there, kept Devontae Adams, let Rodgers go and, you know, see him finish off the rest of his career by going to the Jets and the Vikings like a guy like Favre did, for example. So I think that's a, that's a great point for sure. Next team. All right, let's move on to uh, the Chicago Bears. And this one is very simple. There's no more monsters in the midway. They uh, traded away Robert Quinn. They traded away Roquan Smith. And they traded for Chase Claypool. But unfortunately, the defense now stinks. Uh, and they traded away two big pieces there and only recouped a second and a fourth rounder and even sent one of those seconds in that move to get Claypool. So what did they even really gain in trading away two of their best defensive players? Not a whole lot. Uh, and their offensive line has been bad, and that's no new news. They've been bad for a long time. Um, so no more monsters in the midway. The Bears, they are uh, you know in a rebuild, and I don't even think they're doing very good at grading how the rebuild is going so far. I like the Jake. I, I like the Claypool move a lot. He was a guy I was very high on this summer. I think in that offense, Justin Fields now as a guy you can just go throw the ball up to. And this is it. This is it for really all those second-year quarterbacks. These next eight weeks are tryout time because if the Bears 
the Bears do own their first round pick, correct? Yep. If they don't finish out well, this class is loaded with quarterbacks, at least four or five that are going to go in the first round. You can take a swing at a new guy if if you need to. But I like what they did. I like the commitment to Justin Fields. They didn't do anything for him this offseason. And they saw that he had some flashes over the past few weeks, and they said, okay, let's go get you a real wide receiver that has shown he can play at a high NFL level. Those first few years where Roethlisberger's arm was still going, Claypool was a massive part of that Steelers offense and a, a really good player. I, I think that Justin Fields can re, reinvigorate his career. I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but I'm excited to watch the Bears offense for the rest of the way. I think that they're kind of fun and chaotic, and I think the offensive line is better than people give them credit for. They no, do no, it's just, not. The offensive line is terrible. Didn't look terrible against the Patriots. That you know, that's true in that one game, yeah. But I, I don't think this is a quality offensive line. I think it's you know bottom ten for sure in the NFL. Oh, maybe that doesn't matter with Justin Fields. Who knows? We'll, we'll we'll see. I'm just excited to see see if if he can elevate his play, which I think he can. I, I'm a Justin Fields. Well, player. and what I want to say is I do like the Claypool ad, but it's more about the asset management. You trade away Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. And in net back, you get Chase Claypool, a fourth and a fifth. You traded two of your best defensive players and, and you get, you know, a starting receiver. I like Claypool, but just a fourth and a fifth. I, I kind of question that asset management, uh, knowing that they tra- they got the second back for Roquan and then sent it out uh, for Claypool. That's fair. Bradford, anything on the Bears before we get to the depressing team? Hmm. The Bears, I believe, are in the kind of rebuild that you don't expect to work, but it has its enjoyable moments along the way. And the past two weeks have been those enjoyable moments, sort of a reversal of, of Chicago bears fortune of a defense that's getting kind of, kind of caved in an offense that's been uh, alive a little bit. So I like the Claypool trade. Actually, I agree with you, Eric. I think Claypool is a total moron, but I think he's a very talented moron and talent is something the Bears need, offensively speaking. So I think he makes the Bears a little more enjoyable. Finally, the Lions. Yeah, the, uh, you know, what I think uh, you could very, very easily argue is the worst team in the National Football League. And uh, as a result, what I'm going to say about the Lions is probably something I could have said over the last, I don't know, two decades. And that's that we're still years away, making sure I emphasize the plural in the word years there, because the Lions are still terrible. They're horrible. There is really not much positive uh, to be said about this team at this point in time. Uh, I think they're missing at significantly important positions, and you could include both quarterback and head coach in that discussion. So uh, I think that the Lions are still, uh, you know, very much uh, looking at, uh, you know, many years uh, before they're in any state uh, to be contending for, you know, any significant damage in the postseason. The Hawkinson trade for them made no sense. They literally just did a pick swap. They got no assets back in return, like to a division rival. To me, that tells me that Brad Holmes knows he doesn't have anything. And it tells me that the rebuild hasn't worked which is disappointing because we sat here in week one and week two and week three, and they were competitive and and they played competitive football. And for the most part, 
They have played competitive football this year. They've stayed close and in every game. I refuse to say they are the least talented roster in the NFL. They are clearly not. Amon Ross St. Brown is an incredible talent. DeAndre Swift is an incredible talent. Jamal Williams is an incredible talent. We've seen that this year. This has been a breakout year for him. Jared Goff has played pretty well. Credit to you, Bradford. You're, you, you were a big Goff guy going into this year. He's played pretty well. To me, I've just lost all respect for Dan Campbell. I've just lost all respect for Dan Campbell because you can point to three or four games this year that they've lost clearly because of coaching. Whether it be the the bad field goal attempt in Minnesota or clock mismanagement at the end of that Philadelphia game or countless other examples that have come out of this campaign. To me, Dan Campbell, he, he has cute little press conference sound every week where he's like, man, we're just so close. Okay, well, if you were so close and you were a good coach, you would win games. To me, he looks like a guy that's going to get fired. And I I get that they give him a big contract, and that's fine. Like, stick with him, sure. But what is he doing to make this team better? Like, he's a tight ends coach by trade. They just traded away their best tight end. Like, is he going to elevate their second stringer to being a star? Like, I... I don't think he's the one running the offense there and the offense has only been and he still hasn't fired his defensive coordinator and that the defense is the worst in the NFL and they have talent on that side of the ball like he's mismanaged his coaching staff he's mismanaged games and if I'm a Detroit Lions fan I do not want to see this guy rebuilding my team because he just doesn't have what it takes and and sure he should get another shot somewhere as a tight ends coach or an offensive coordinator or an assistant coach. He's a, he's, he's a good guy. He, he clearly loves his players. He clearly loves football, but I'm sorry. It's a results business. And the fact you've lost all these close games, good coaches win close games, bad coaches lose them. He's a bad coach. So uh, I'm extremely disappointed by the Lions. I thought they were going to be fun this year and they're, just not they're they're the worst team in the nfl it's unfortunate <laughs> all the right lions make me sorry i just want to say this i've always had a soft spot for the lions i don't even want to think about them this this season it's it's, it's a depressing extra it's a it's a depressing exercise just i don't think they're the worst team in the nfl i, I would give that honor to the texans but i think they're right with them it's it is very depressing. All right. AFC South time. We'll kind of go through this one a little bit quicker. Bad division. The Colts. It's time to rebuild, but for real this time. Here's the facts. The Colts have been scrambling ever since Andrew Luck retired. They played patchwork quarterback with Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett and Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. The sad truth is this. It's time to rebuild. What they what Chris Ballard should have done immediately after that first season with Phillip Rivers when he retired and really probably last offseason after Carson Wentz, was realized that at that point, 
a year and a half ago, there was still talent on this team and there was value to be had with that talent. Shaq Leonard, Quinn Nelson, you know, Michael Pittman shipped those guys off and committed to a rebuild. He's stuck with his guns. The roster slowly got worse every single year. And then this year, they just bet on the wrong guy. They they bet on Matt Ryan, who looks like a guy that's going to be retired next year and who's been benched for Sam Ellinger. And Sam Ellinger doesn't look very good. And then you just traded away Naheem Hines, who is one of the bright spots of your offense. To me, it's just another sad situation because everyone likes Frank Reich. Everyone thinks he's a good play caller or like this, that, and the other thing. And everyone likes Chris Ballard because he fixed Andrew Luck's offensive line for one season. But Andrew Luck retired. This team's been me- mediocre for a long time. It's, it's time to just hit the reset button. It's time to sell everyone. It's time to not re- don't re-sign Jonathan Taylor at all costs. Don't give him any sort of contract. Get out of these deals. Trade the talent you have this offseason. Suck next year. Bring in a new coach and a new GM. And just admit, this is a two- to three-year rebuild process until you find another quarterback, which is might take a while. But it, it it's no longer time to say oh they're just a quarterback away because they're not the roster's not good enough anymore it's past its window so it's unfortunate the Colts are sort of uh the Colts are in like one of the worst places that you can be in as a franchise where it's like you you feel like you can see the 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 light at the end of the tunnel that is Super Bowl contention but you're not quite there, but you have enough that you're not quite enough to bottom out into, into the kind of talent that will get you there. And it's, I completely agree with everything you've said, Eric. It is, they're just in such a dark, I mean, they're starting Sam Ellinger at quarterback or however you pronounce his last name. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. That's how bad the situation is. Like it's, it's incredibly dark. And I honestly think like when the best year of quarterback play you've received in the past several years is Philip rivers. I mean, what can you say? Like, I like it's just it it was like they were a quarterback away for so long and they didn't get that quarterback and then everything else just faded away for them before they've even realized it. It's it's truly tragic. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh that's pretty spot on from you guys. They're just kind of like tricking themselves into thinking that they can just get a veteran quarterback and, you know, get themselves into the playoffs, uh, which obviously your concern should be with more than just getting to the playoffs, which to Eric's point is that you guys should just kind of cut it and rebuild, which is definitely where I think that roster is at um, kind of on a holistic note, um, not even just the quarterback position, but uh, I even think they need a lot of help, uh, you know, shoring up their offensive tackles, their receivers, their pass rushers. Uh, I think there's a lot of areas that the Colts need to improve on. So I, I think they do kind of need to cut it and, and rebuild at some point, but they're also in a terrible division. So they beat teams like Houston and Jacksonville and they increase their win total by a little bit, uh, maybe convincing their ownership that they're closer than they really are. And honestly, this offseason's the time to do it because you still have guys like DeForest Buckner under contract. You still have guys like Quentin Nelson under contract. Those players can fetch high second-round picks. Those players, DeForest Buckner, I bet you could get a one for him. I bet you could get a low first-round pick for DeForest Buckner. He's a very good player. They paid. Like, you can still recoup some value from this roster because there is still talent on it. I'm just begging them, don't. Don't trick yourselves. Don't say that you're just a quarterback away because you're not. You just need to restart. And 
and push towards the beginning. The Jaguars. It's tryout time for Trevor Lawrence. If he's not a top 15 passer by the end of the year, time to move on. I know this sounds harsh, but I'm out of excuses for Trevor Lawrence because the accuracy issues, they were there with Urban Meyer. Like, you can't blame Urban Meyer for all the times last year that Trevor Lawrence missed wide open guys, which he does on a weekly basis. He He's the most overhyped draft prospect I have I think I've ever covered, personally. From, from what he was sold as, he is not that guy. And you've never, I would argue, some people say they have, but I would argue I've never seen flashes. Like, he just looks like an incredibly average NFL passer, and he's not a top 15 passer in the NFL right now. And if he's not by the end of the year, this team just traded for Calvin Ridley next year. They're going to have some wide, wide receiving talent. Like, why even play around with it? Like, if you guys, if they don't finish the year with more than six or seven wins, which doesn't, honestly, I don't think they finished the year with more than five wins, they're going to have a top 10 NFL draft pick. And there are quarterbacks. Like, if Trevor Lawrence with this talent around him, and I would argue there's enough talent for that offense to be better than it has been, can't get you there, then just cut bait. Admit he was a draft bust. Move him for his high high second round pick to a team that's desperate, like maybe the Broncos or the Raiders or or the Colts or or, or whoever, and just say, okay, it's it's time to try a new guy because to me he's just not that. He he's just not a franchise quarterback. And I, I think don't think I, I don't know. I don't think he's ever shown flashes of that. I disagree. I think you're being a little premature with that. I agree that he has been a problem this year at, at many points. And it sort of makes me think of the 2012 Indianapolis Colts season, the one where they were a very mediocre team, but Andrew Luck just happened to lead this game-winning drive uh, almost every single week, it felt like. I believe there was seven or eight in total. This is the the exact opposite of that, where a team is in an incredible similar position, and every one of those game-winning drives goes the opposite way is sort of the, the the vibe I get from these Jaguars. I think I think Trevor has has not shown that he's not an NFL-level starting quarterback, but he's an average quarterback or to a bad one sometimes. And he's shown flashes of amazing play, but yeah, the accuracy is weird. I think he has a couple more years of rope. You know, when you have a guy like that, I think you got to give him a little more time just just to be sure, but it's it's truly bizarre but, to me just but, how how average he is sometimes. It, he's say, just he hasn't struck me as special. Save they bottom out and save they finish with a top five pick and Bryce Young is sitting there. Are you really going to pass on Bryce Young? Uh, well, I don't think Bryce Young would be sitting around the four or five range. Like he's going to be going right at the top of the draft. But um, no, I I think you got to stick with Trevor for another year or two because Trevor is has the physical ability and has Trevor can still be something very special and as disappointing and concerning as it is that he's not that special thing yet. When you, I I think it would be a mistake to throw in the towel this early on a guy like Trevor Lawrence, when you're the Jaguars who are so desperate to have something special and you have something that could be special, just Hold on to it like at least another year before you start making rash decisions like that is all I'm saying, because I feel like that could turn out to be a horrific mistake.
Yeah, I'm, uh, I probably side a little bit more with Bradford on this. I think Lawrence still has definitely enough leash. I think if they did deal him for an early second round pick, that would be a terrible move. And even if they are picking top five and Bryce Young is there, I think you take a guy like Paris Johnson and improve your offensive line uh, before you, you know, look to replace the quarterback position. I think that's really the area for me that, yeah, they've tried a receiver. They've clearly tried to add some guys little by little. I like the Ridley trade. I think Christian Kirk's been a nice little implement in their offense this year. It's nice that they've, uh, you know, moved into a direction where they really embrace Travis Etienne obviously having moved on from James Robinson but it's the offensive line for me that really kind of holds things back and uh, gives me reason to believe that Lawrence can still channel um, you know that inner greatness we saw at Clemson a little bit more if he's protected a little bit better so uh, I think that's why I would give a lot of confidence towards bringing Lawrence back with a ton of certainty next year even though he hasn't necessarily reached the potential we expected at this point you need to improve that offensive line and if they are picking high I think probably Paris Johnson from Ohio State is probably your guy that you look at just to sure up a, a solid offensive tackle um, and even look to add some veterans in the interior too. I, I think that's really kind of the area why I have still hope uh, for Lawrence and Jacksonville. Texans, this one's quick. I don't need you guys to weigh in really unless you've disagreed vehemently. Eh, it's what we expected. Davis Mills does something chaotic every game, so that's fun. But yeah, I mean, Texans are what we expected. Like, they caught a little hype at the end of August that maybe they'd win five games and maybe they will, but Derek Stingley has looked good, but this defense is really bad. And, you know, they don't really have the pieces on offense to be successful. You're probably going to lose Brandon Cooks next year to free agency. You're probably going to draft a high-end wide receiver at the top of draft and a quarterback. You have multiple picks. Like, Jack Easterby's gone. That's a that's a plus. Like he's not in your building anymore. Seems like Nick Casario's running this thing, and we'll just see where it goes. But this is kind of what we expected from the Texans. So, yep, that's the Texans. The Titans just chugging along. Great coach, great defense, great organization. Who's going to stop us? Parentheses outside of the Chiefs and Bills. To me, that's what I think about the Titans. To me, they are the third best team in the AFC. I, I get that Ryan Tannehill's been hurt, but Malik Willis came in, played well. They're just really well coached. I think Mike Vrabel is a top five NFL head coach, and he's the bizarro Dan Campbell, where Dan Campbell loses close games, Mike Vrabel wins close games. And he coaches up his defense, and the defense is getting really good right now, and they're going to be scary come... December and low key. I think there's a chance they might get a weird regular season Titans win against the chiefs next week, which is kind of typically what the Titans do. Do I think they're a super bowl contender? No, but like if you talk to me in three months and we're talking about them being in the divisional round and maybe like playing a super tight game with, the Chiefs, like, I wouldn't be surprised by that. And honestly, if they knocked off one of the Chiefs or the Bills in the divisional round and you said they're in the conference finals, I would say, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. They're, they're well coached. So, you know, we'll see what Willis is in the future. I think that was a really smart draft pick. Um, They need more weapons next offseason, but they're 
they have the best team in the division. They're going to run away with it. And uh, they're just, they're just a solid team and they do it every year. And I think that's a credit to them. They're just a good organization. The Titans win. That's just what they do. They don't have a particularly high ceiling. I, I, I don't think, I don't think like you said, this is not a Super Bowl team, but the Titans have found this comfortable uh, bottom line of win enough games to make the playoffs every year. Give the fans something to cheer for. They're relatively like you can you can almost at this point you can almost just set your watch to the Titans. You know what they're going to be every year. The Mike Vrabel experience is uh, incredibly consistent and a relatively positive experience. Uh, Derrick Henry looks as good as ever somehow. Only he could come back. Like I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised considering the monster he is, but to come back from the injury that he came back from and to be this this effective still is is remarkable. It's just uh, I think I think losing AJ Brown takes away the ability to upset a team like the Chiefs or the Bills in the playoffs, if I'm being honest with you. I think you kind of lose that game-breaking playmaker, but mm, the Titans are definitely going to win this division now, which makes me sad because I first couple of weeks I was really buying into the Jaguars hype, but uh, that has crashed and burned uh, very unfortunately. Yeah, I agree uh, with everything Bradford just said, and I think maybe just a slight reason as to why they're so consistent is that they really do value the line of scrimmage. I think both offensive and defensive lines have always kind of been an area of strength for the Titans, and that allows them to kind of beat up on this division uh, and even some other teams out of it, you know, and we've seen that hold up. Obviously, it helps having Derrick Henry, and uh, I think that was a great point you made about, you know, being a little bit more limited without A.J. Brown. So, um, yeah, pretty much echo everything that uh, Bradford said. thought he did a nice job on that. All right, Ryan, where are we going next? All right, my last division is uh, the one that resides with my favorite team, the NFC East. So let's start with the uh, last undefeated in football, shall we? The uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And unfortunately, I will preface my dictionary definition that we've turned into kind of just a random game of us just talking about teams at this point into saying that. <laughs> The injury to Jordan Davis definitely sucks. The rookie's been playing very well out of Georgia uh, this season, but he will be out between four and six weeks. But if there's any area of this Eagles team they can, uh, you know, hold up to an injury, it would be the defensive line. They added Robert Quinn at this trade deadline for just a fourth-round pick. That obviously helps out. And, of course, down the middle, they also have Fletcher Cox, who they brought back, and also Javon Hargrave, who's had an outstanding second season in his return to Philly this year. So, brings me to my point with the Eagles, and that's, at this point, if we stay healthy we win the nfc i think it's pretty much that simple they've really looked super dominant and they have a pretty weak schedule uh outside of some tough games in their own division when they go to dallas and still have two uh against the new york giants who have kind of surprised us all and still being pretty good to this point so uh the eagles after already having beat the minnesota vikings by the biggest margin of victory they've had against any team in any of their games this year certainly look really good and i feel very confident in saying that if they do stay healthy they will be the team representing the nfc in the super bowl yeah, I'll just say this about the Eagles. It's not their fault that the NFC is bad this year. It's not their fault. They're an elite team. They are going to win this conference easily. To me, they're a lock for the Super Bowl. Um, and I, I'll just be honest. If Jalen Hurts has, let's say, five for the rest of the season, five, more days like he had on against the Steelers and like he had against the commanders earlier this year. And he's going to have some bad defenses to play again. And if, if they don't lose any weird games to like the giants, Jalen hurts is going to be an MVP front runner. There's just no other way around it. Like 
he has been one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. And I don't care what you say about RPOs or whatever. He's a different kind of quarterback. Okay, whatever. He He's still got an incredible arm. He seems to get better every week. And they did the right thing. They went out and they surrounded him with talent. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have anything to argue there. I mean, I, I would argue the Jordan Davis injury just doesn't matter, like straight up. The, the Eagles are the deepest team on both lines of scrimmage in the NFL and probably the deepest team at every single position in the NFL. They, they, this is something I've been saying really since uh, the summer. They're just the best roster. They're just really – Howie Roseman has done a tremendous job. So, yep. We'll see if they can handle the Dak-led Cowboys, but Dak traditionally doesn't do super well against great teams. So, we'll see. That my, to me, the, the Cowboys are the only competition. My comment on the Eagles actually has very little to do with the Eagles. I'm 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 curious how uh, you became a, a Blackhawks fan and an, and an Eagles fan, and, and and no, there's no Chicago or Philadelphia overlap there between the NHL and the NFL. I'm just curious how something like that happens. Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, so I'm from Chicago, so the Blackhawks part is uh, is much more logical than the Eagles part. But when I started following football way back in second grade, I had a friend who was an Eagles fan, and uh, you know there were a handful of other reasons, including that I liked Andy Reid, I liked Brian Westbrook, who I have a fat head of in my childhood bedroom back at home. I liked their helmets with the wings on the side mm-hmm. of them. Uh, so there was kind of a collection of reasons uh, in there. Donovan McNabb as well, he's from Chicago, so there's a little bit of uh, a local shout. Uh, in there too but yeah it's kind of a kind of a funny little thing so uh yeah good question brad are you also like a bulls fan and like a like a cubs fan or yep bulls cubs and i also claim the white Sox too i call myself a chicago baseball fan although that is definitely frowned upon by many people but i'm okay with it because my dad is a cubs fan and both my grandparents are white Sox fans so i grew up going to both games and uh rooting for both teams so there you go isn't that the kind of thing that gets you beat up i I think i think it's it's it's, it's like if i I, I were to say i was an alberta hockey fan i I don't think that that is different because they're in different leagues obviously the oilers and the flames are division rivals the cubs and white Sox are not so that is my uh that is my way out of that one that's interesting thank you for answering that i appreciate that good question wonderful how good the eagles are i don't even have to make a comment on them we just know how good they are they're just absurdly good like that's that's it they're good we stay healthy we win the nfc that's what i got for the eagles all right let's move on to the dallas cowboys uh and here's what i'll say about the cowboys we have the talent to win the super bowl we have the talent to win the super bowl but we do not have the coaching. We do not have the coaching to win the Super Bowl, and that is where the Dallas Cowboys come up short. They've got a very strong defense. They've got a dynamic offense with Dak Prescott coming back. Michael Gallup has started to make his impact this season. You have Tony Pollard going off along with Ezekiel Elliott, even filling in uh, games when Zeke is hurt, uh, playing outstanding football. Dalton Schultz has really good chemistry with Dak Prescott. But the caveat with the Dallas Cowboys, as it has been for a couple of decades at this point, is that they do not have the coaching to get it done when the games really matter and that again i think is the case this year with mike mccarthy still at the helm yeah i think that's fair i don't know where i'd put the cowboys right now in the nfc hierarchy defense is great Uh, i would push back on they don't have the head coaching I, i think kellen moore for what he's got has done a great job and dan quinn is fair arguably the coordinator of the year and should be a head coach next year. Um, we'll see. 
I still need to see more from Dak. I, I get that he lit up the Bears, but traditionally Dak does light up bad teams. Like let let's see the Cowboys play some real teams, and then I'll I'll know how I feel about them. I I don't like the people that are saying they're up there as NFC contenders right now, which I guess in name they are only, but I, I, I don't, I don't see them in the same class or even really close to the Eagles. So yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not super high on the Cowboys. I I think that you're being a little too harsh on the Cowboys. I, I definitely agree. The Eagles are better, but they have uh some, some game changers on defense and they have some, uh, I don't want to say game changers on offense, but I think Pollard has been incredible. I think it's just the Cowboys are just a, a really just well-balanced team, which is funny talking about the Cowboys. But I see no reason they don't win like 11, 12 games and easily make the playoffs. Like, it's, No, no, it's I don't weird. disagree with that. But when they get to the playoffs, are we really going to take them seriously? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They've got the talent, but they don't have the coaching. Yeah, I, I'm not. I mean, I view them the same way I view the Vikings, to be honest. Mm. Like, yeah, they'll, they'll be. Who, who do you think? Who do you like more if those teams played head to head in the playoffs? Probably Dallas. It's got to be Dallas. Yeah. Better defense, better, more game changers on defense. Yeah, Parsons and Diggs alone, I think. Yeah. That give you an edge. Yeah. All right, let's rapid fire through Washington and the Giants. We can give the Giants some time because they've been impressive this year. But Here's what I got on the Giants, and actually it doesn't have much to do with how they've played this year. Credit to Brian Dable for getting them in a better position than any of us thought. But my question for the Giants is, are we really bringing back Daniel Jones next year? Because here at this point in time, the question is, we're not going to be picking top five in the draft. We're not even going to be picking top 10 in the draft. Are we going to waste our time drafting a new quarterback this year? My answer at this point would be no. So are you really bringing back Daniel Jones next year? Or are you acquiring a veteran either by trade or free agency to replace him? And at that point, then there's even more questions. Can we get a player who's performing better than Daniel Jones? Because I do think he is a top 32 NFL quarterback, which is a low bar, but it is still a starting NFL quarterback that has won games for you in the NFL. And while he does have his significant limitations as a passer, he does provide a little bit of an effective offense using his rushing ability. And he and Saquon Barkley have proven to be tough to stop this year. So that's my question for the New York Giants. Are you really bringing back Daniel Jones next season? Bradford? Daniel Jones, I think, showing enough that he's – if they did decide to run it back for another year and see, I, I don't think it would be a laughable decision. But if they decided to go in a completely different direction, I think people would understand where they're coming from. The Giants have bad uh, – like you're saying, an incredible job done by Dayball. He's going to win Coach of the Year if this keeps up, I think. Uh, him or Sirianni, I, I would imagine. But uh, with Dayball and with the Giants, I I feel like they've just they've made the big play at the end of every game, and that feels a little unsustainable to me. But at the same time, you just it's it's hard to argue with a record that good so far. You know, that's still kind of where I land on the Giants. The Washington Football Team. Here's what I got. Simple statement for the Commanders. This is more your dictionary definition, Eric. Here we go. We aren't that bad, but we also aren't good. That's what I got on the Washington Commanders. They're not horrible. They're back at 500. They've got some good players on the defensive line, but they also aren't that good at the same time. They also kind of suck uh, at the same point. So I don't really have much on the Commanders because they're not bad, but they're also not that good. 
they also feel like the Colts, like a team that's stuck in like this depressing limbo. And obviously that starts from ownership for them. And that maybe that changes this offseason. Probably not. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to take the commanders seriously. A lot of talent offensively, though. I will say Brian Robinson has looked really, really good. Terry McLaurin has started to come into his own with Taylor Heineke throwing the ball. Jahan Dotson has been injured the past few weeks, but he looks like he's a good guy. And they've found a way to effectively make Curtis Samuels uh, the center point of their offense. They have weapons. If they had a quarterback, they might be pretty competitive. We'll see how this all shakes out. But, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. All right, we're going to jump now to what 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 division do you have, Bradford? I have the uh, AFC East is my other yeah. division that I that I have. Let's rapid fire through these. We can focus a little bit on the Bills, but let, let's rapid fire through these because we and let's talk mainly Bills and Dolphins here. Okay, I will power through the other two then first. The, the word that I picked for the Patriots was retrospective. I think the Patriots are existing in a memory of the past, and perhaps they should. And I think you watch the Patriots, and every time you begin to doubt them, you're reminded of a little piece of what they once were, and you remember who Bill Belichick is. I thought the the win over the Jets just felt like a classic, like, you know, you you, you finally think that you've killed the monster, that you finally think you've, you've defeated the bad guy, and then in your moment of celebration, he grabs you from behind and consumes your body. It's it just they just they're, they're very retrospective, I think. And uh, the word that I picked for the Jets uh, in relation to that game is apparatic, which is sort of a combination of uh, it's 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 tricky, but it, it's sort of a combination of it, uh, uh, doubt and uh, 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 irresolvable internal contradiction. I think the Jets, they had this m- momentum and belief in themselves going on and through uh, Zach Wilson's very poor play and uh, some pretty severe injuries with Vera Tucker and, and Hall being out. I think they don't believe in themselves much the same. I think that any chance that they had of thinking maybe things were different, once again, that big bad monster comes up from behind and, and grabs them. And the second they thought that they might for one second be able to rise above uh, their historical uh, fate, which is being consumed by the Patriots, I, I don't. I, I think they they they're they they're feeling a little apparatic about themselves. I, I think there's an element of doubt to uh to them now. And I, I don't feel amazing about the rest of the season for them, whereas a couple weeks ago I really truly did. Uh so uh, uh the other one that you wanted me to power though, you're the dolphins. Uh the dolphins is 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 a tough one. For me, the word that I picked for the dolphins uh was simply good. I I I think with the Dolphins, they just they're good. And I don't think they're much better than that. And I don't think they're much worse than that. I think they just I I struggle to fully evaluate the Dolphins and I struggle to prescribe to them a word more advanced than good. Because on one hand, I, I look at some some play some some of Tua's plays and I see a quarterback that is uh, taking good strides, but then I see just baffling decisions and and poor arm strength, and I just I think that having guys like obviously uh, Hill and uh, uh, Waddle like make up for any average inconsistencies that come with a guy like Tua, and obviously adding Chubb to the defense is huge. But to me, for now, they are simply good, and until they show to be more than that, I I don't want to talk about them m- much else. Like I just with the Dolphins, I feel just 
Do you have a hard time believing in the Dolphins? Is it just me? No, uh, honestly, I don't. Uh, I think adding Bradley Chubb makes them, with the talent they already have in the back end, one of the best defenses in the AFC, potentially. And like a unit that could truly carry them. And two is just good enough to win you games. I know they're not there yet, but I could see myself, whereas right now I say the Titans are clearly the third best team in the AFC. In December, it would not shock me if I said the Dolphins are clearly the third best team in the AFC. I think they have conference championship ceiling. I think they can't. I think basically, but honestly, let's grade it fairly. No one in the AFC has a chance of keeping up with the Bills or the Chiefs outside of maybe the Ravens if they're fully healthy on offense. Like, that's just a fact. Like, there's not enough talent on these rosters to keep up with the Chiefs and the Bills in a shootout. And I don't care what you say about Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And you could say, well, look at the Ravens game. That's fine. That was a bad defense. The Chiefs and Bills do not have bad defenses. They have good defenses. And against good defenses, the you know, the Dolphins have struggled. Against bad defense, case in point, last week, the Lions, the Dolphins looked really, really good. I do think we end up thinking about them at the end of the year as the third best team in the AFC. But they they definitely have a ceiling. I would say they're a little bit more than good though. I would I would say they're definitely very firmly good and maybe even great. Yeah, I'm excited to see how they do with uh, Bradley Chubb and seeing if he's able to you know translate the strong season he's had with Denver over to Miami. And I think they have potential where they could be kind of a fun team and you know give uh, you know either Buffalo or Kansas City kind of a good run for their money. But I agree with you in terms of tearing them below uh, you know each of those clubs and uh, even potentially even maybe below Baltimore as well. Yeah. So we we'll, we will we'll see what happens with the Dolphins. Uh, I want to throw in on the Jets. I'm just out on Zach Wilson. I'll always defend him, and wherever he goes on his next round, I'll say, hey, this guy's got high upside. But honestly, in my heart of hearts, like, the ceiling for Zach Wilson is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, that's that's oh, the ceiling. That's an insult to the intelligence of the Harvard grad Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right there. <laughs> I, I do think that he could get to Ryan Fitzpatrick level at some point. But – he is he's not good right now he he looks like drew Locke basically uh yeah it's 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 wild uh i I do enjoy the tweet and i'm sure you saw it bradford i think you may have shared it with me zach wilson plays like he's patrick mahomes if he was absolutely blackout drunk on every snap (laughs) Um, it's pretty accurate i saw that too i mean he's chaotic and fun but he's not very good and he the Jets like he doesn't look where he's throwing sometimes like it is wild the Jets might be a quarterback away they might be a quarterback they're away. still further than that yeah who who knows what we will see all right the Bills this one I struggled with because there is a couple different angles I could take it in and in one one angle I could perhaps go autopilot I think they're just good enough to just be on autopilot because to them the regular season I don't think matters at this moment in time now, they're so good that they're going to win almost all their games anyways. I could go with a word like 
almost untouchable. This team just feels like in, in its construction, a step above most other teams. But the word that I go with, and it may sound negative, but I, I take it as more of a, of, as a, as a, as a forewarning Buffalo. The word that I picked, it's not one that you're not, you're, it's not one that you'll necessarily find in a, in a, in a classic dictionary, perhaps more in an urban dictionary, but I picked premature joculation, which is essentially like you're at risk of celebrating too soon. And I worry that the Bills, I, I don't know if they will, but I worry that they could fall into the fate of just not necessarily believing their own hype, but when I find a team gets crowned Super Bowl champions uh, well before the year even started, even if it's for good reason. I mean, this is the best roster in football, I think, up there with Philadelphia and Kansas City, but I, I think I would put Buffalo number one. I worry a little bit when it just feels so easy to pick them that, you know, when it gets to the big moment, the big game, whenever they're up against the Chiefs here, which is probably what's going to happen, I worry that they might celebrate just, let's say, 13 seconds too early is, 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 where, I, is where I stand on the Bills. Because I could talk about how good they are. You know how good they are. Everybody knows how good they are. But none of it matters. It's they're, they're, Literally, it doesn't matter. They're going to sleepwalk their way to a division win. Does not matter. None of it matters but the big game. So I would say they're not currently prematurely joculating, I guess it, it would be. I, I, I don't know. But they must, they, they must be patient because they it's just it, it's the regular season is so meaningless when you're in their position like what what do they have to prove outside of outside of uh an afc championship game i think that's so spot on and before the season brad i picked the bills to lose in the super bowl and i still kind of stand by that thought the eagles i actually picked tampa bay so that one's not coming oh uh, see that was, <laughs> but I, I isn't this, is the stage not set for that like yeah. the bills just getting like they're just, it, I, it just feels too easy. Like, yeah, the Bills I, I have the same people. thought. Totally. You know, I'll play devil's advocate. Sometimes it is just easy. Sometimes it's just that easy. Sometimes you are just so much better than everyone else. And, and, and that's the case. And to me, I pick them over the Eagles because I trust the quarterback more. And the only competition I see for them is the Chiefs. But I I believe very highly in the Chiefs. I, I want to make that very clear. I, I do think Big that if, they, if they played today, I might pick the Chiefs because I, I get that they won the regular season matchup, but in the playoffs, I think Patrick Mahomes has proven he's just on a different level. And, you know, to me, if they beat the Chiefs, they'll win the Super Bowl. If they don't, the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. Like, the, the AFC has the two clear best teams. And, uh, you know, I respect the Eagles a lot, but ultimately I, I don't see them winning against Andy Reid and Sean McDermott because I think they'll be slightly outmanned coaching-wise. Okay. Let's hit rapid-fire NFC South, and then I do want to spend some time on the NFC West because I think that's one of the more interesting divisions. The Saints. We remembered how to properly use Alvin Kamara, and our defense is slowly improving. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Alvin Kamara had his best game of the year against the Raiders. It feels like they're finally getting him involved. 
The offense is much better with Andy Dalton. Um, that's just a fact. Just much better offense with Andy Dalton as quarterback. And the defense is starting to to play well. Paulson Adebo has had a very good three weeks. So, yeah. What, what do you think, Ryan? Saints, very, uh, to me, they should be – I know everyone likes the Falcons and they're a fun story. But to me, the Saints should be the front runners to win this division. Boy, I, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I mean, you could still even argue that this team could very easily be picking top 10, you know, in the draft. And as an Eagles fan, I certainly would prefer that as a team that owns their first round pick uh, this year. Thanks for uh, that trade last season, uh, swapping some picks around. But uh, yeah, I mean, like you're spot on with Alvin Kamara usage. And I think Chris Olave certainly, certainly had his moments. So there's, you know, bright spots on the Saints team. But I still think overall, they're, you're, you know, even if they did, you know, kind of swing around, end up winning this division, uh, they're probably an early exit to a wild card team, like a team like Dallas, for example. Um, I don't think they necessarily could stack up against, you know, other quality uh, teams in the NFC, which there aren't a whole lot of as seen by how bad this division has played out so far. But um, yeah, that's kind of where Matt with uh with the Saints yeah honestly here before we get to the rest of this the NFC South you know it's tough to say because the Jaguars and Texans play in the AFC South but I think there's an argument to be made that the NFC South is the weakest division in the league it's got the uh, division leaders four and four so I think that's a pretty glaring metric in itself yeah. The Bucks. Tom Brady no longer has a family. So we can just <laughs> try this again next year. Hopefully our entire offensive line doesn't get injured in August again. Uh to me, you can point at Brady getting older. You can point at, you know, Godwin not coming back from the injury as well as he did, and Mike Evans having a few weird drops here and there. But the fact is this, the Buccaneers were doomed from the jump. They lost their three best offensive linemen. That's like three-fifths of your offensive line. If you lose three-fifths of your offensive line for the year right before the season starts, you're going to be bad. That's just, just kind of the way it is. And to me, there's no way Tom Brady retires this year. Like, he's just too prideful of a guy. He's going to ride this thing out. It's going to get ugly if he retires. He'll play a few bad seasons before he retires. Uh, I get that he's declined a little bit, but let's try this again next year with maybe some younger weapons and a few new draft picks. And uh, frankly, maybe a different coach um, and some new defensive pieces. I mean, Devin White has been terrible this year. Just, Just a really bad football player. And Levante David hasn't lived up to the hype. The names on the defense do not match what the defense is anymore. Uh, Todd Bowles said about three weeks ago, guys are still living off the Super Bowl. And I totally agree with that. This It's just what this roster is. And we'll see if if they make massive changes this offseason. I, I hope they do. But to me, it, it's kind of a wash because Brady's coming back next year. I would be shocked if Tom Brady retires at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of a dig at his, you know, family status, but I mean, it is a valid point and, you know, him kind of coming back and not really having any reason not to <laughs> at this point. So it's just like, I don't, I don't know how to react because this division still sucks and I would still take Tom Brady easily over any quarterback. And like, it's so not even close. It's so laughable. So like, it's still hard for me to say that Tampa Bay is like so screwed because this division sucks and they could easily just kind of turn it around win three games in a row and here they are in first place so that's kind of where i'm at with the bucks and um you know like certainly their flaws are pretty bad but um you know with how bad the nfc is at the same time if brady just kind of gets hot and you know starts hitting evans godwin julio left and right that's going to help him out but i think really the issue is that they don't have a run game it seems like never do they ever have a guy go over like 30 40 rushing yards like gosh it seems like we're not asking for much and yet they continually not deliver and i think the offensive line which you alluded to eric um, you know, has a big reason for that, but, um, that's kind of where I'm at with the bucks. Uh, I, I still, I just can't count them out just because this division is so terrible. Bradford, any thoughts on the bucks? I think, I think, uh, the bucks, well, it does look dark and I, I agree with you that Brady will be back. I don't think he'll ever truly be gone. I don't Modern day autogram. Think- I don't think it's over just just yet. In an NFC where the parity is very strong and a record like that has not sunk you yet, if there was any quarterback that I would trust to pull out some absolute bullshit and somehow win this division and somehow go on another annoying deep playoff run, it's Brady. Maybe that's just the traumatized fan in me speaking. But I well, I agree. I like the Saints to win this division, although I'm not as confident of that as I was in the offseason. Uh, I don't think we can say it's truly over for Brady until it's until it's truly, truly over. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Oh, one thing I neglected to mention, the Bucs might be screwed, Bo. Because Tom Brady doesn't technically have to come back with them next year. He is not under contract. So he could he could be. Send him to Denver. Uh, yeah. Could, could be Denver. It, imagine Tom Brady, New York Jets quarterback. I was going to say, <laughs> I think he hates the Jets too much to do that, though. I think he has a specific. Uh, uh, it's definitely uh, going to be the 49ers. But it's definitely going to be the 49ers, by the way. Like, if I had to place a bet right now, I'd say he's on the 49ers this time. It's Trey Lance. He's coming back from injury at some point, man. I don't know. I think if you have a chance to get Tom Brady, you go get Tom Brady. Um, Falcons, better than you expect, but we'll be out of this thing by mid-December. I I get the love for the Falcons. I've perpetrated the love for the Falcons. They get off the bus and they're a team that just beats you. Uh, they're physical on both lines. They're going to win some games this year. They might win nine games this year. They might win eight, but they're not going to win this division. They they aren't, they just don't have the dogs to, to quite get it done. So uh, I'll, I'll go there. And then Carolina, let's rebuild, but let's have some smiles and good times along the way. P.J. Walker has been fun, no doubt about it. He's just a fun quarterback to watch. He made some incredible throws against the Falcons. It's wild that their kicker just totally lost them that game against the Falcons. Hey, DJ Moore, you gotta you gotta say DJ Moore deserves a little bit of a hand. DJ up Moore, on that. yeah. DJ Moore also. But 
I mean, like, I would have laughed myself out of the building if I said I thought the Panthers could get five wins at the beginning of the season. I think they're probably going to end up with five wins. That's that's kind of where I see the roster going. Unless there's any disagreements there, we can move on to our final division here. Perfect. The NFC West. Let's start with the division leaders. The Seattle Genos. Drafted well, made the right decision sticking with Pete Carroll. Oh, and they have the best quarterback in the division. It's that simple. You've got the best quarterback in the division. You drafted so well. The defense is coming into form. Looks great. Pete Carroll should be a front runner for coach of the year. The Niners are the only competition I see. And I think I'd take the Seahawks right now. Uh, Gino has been a top five quarterback this year. Like there's just, you can't argue it anymore. You look at the stats, you look at the advanced metrics, you look at the passing charts, you look at PFF grades. doesn't matter. You, you watch the games. He is a top five passer. And yes, the whole league is down in terms of passers. And it's not hard to be a top five passer this year. And it kind of changes every week. But consistently, Geno Smith has been in that mix. I don't know. I really like the Seahawks. Do I think they're going to win the Super Bowl? No, but do I think they could get in the playoffs and pull a crazy first round upset? Sure. Why not? Or or maybe they defeat like the Dallas Cowboys in the divisional round and, and they lose in the conference finals to be Eagles. Like the Seahawks, they're ahead of schedule. They drafted well. And now I, I've just got to ask you both this. Maybe not long-term. Maybe you see if you can work out something where it's two or three years. But I do think you have to commit to Geno. Because I, I think he's shown enough that even if he regresses next year, he's going to be an average starting quarterback. And unless you're the Broncos bottom out and that pick turns into the second overall pick in the draft, and you are for sure going to get a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud, then you pet you you know you you use that draft capital elsewhere and you ride with Gino. I think I oh sorry go ahead Brad go no, ahead Brad I, I, yeah, <laughs> that was terrible I, I by think, me <laughs> I think I think I. Uh... I think I agree. I mean, when I say – when you say somebody's a top five quarterback this year, that means they're one of five good quarterbacks this year. So it's it's kind of tough. Like, it has not been pretty for quarterbacks across the league. But, yeah, I think they'd be pretty comfortable going back with Geno Smith. Like, they've kind of got a perfect uh, setup going. And, and what they have right now feels sort of the foundations of what, like, the Chiefs had going with Alex Smith. Right, like where they're getting honestly even a better level of play than the Chiefs got from Alex Smith, and you build up all the other pieces around. They have all these draft picks coming in. Thank you, Denver, uh, to build up the foundation of something really special. When they already have some pretty special players, like on offense, you have Ken Walker and, and uh, Metcalf, and it's just I I think the Seahawks are on the verge of building something very special. And Geno Smith, if if not the catalyst of it, 
is an, going to be an important part of, of what this team does and, and, and their legacy because either he's the guy that gets it done or he's the guy that carries them through until they get the guy that gets it done. And he will be very suited for both of those roles, I think. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty fair. And I think the really what's interesting about their offense, you mentioned some of the nice playmakers they've had, you know, adding, you mentioned Walker through the draft there, Brad, also Noah Fant through the the trade with Russell Wilson, but like the offensive line, like they maybe just kind of, you know, they drafted Charles cross, uh, you know, obviously high in the first round and that's a new ad, but I don't necessarily look at it and say, wow, like this offensive line is just dominating mauling people. And then even kind of on the flip side, the defense, you know, they've definitely bled a little bit at times this year too, and, and given up some points. So it's kind of interesting to me that they've also, you know, while it looks kind of good on the surface level, I think that um, there is still a little bit of concern I have with the Seahawks. And I do think that the other teams in this division have underperformed to this point. So I could still see a reality in which Seattle does kind of, you know, drop out of favor, uh, you know, in terms of not only the division lead, but a playoff position. So uh, while it's been looking good so far, you know, with Geno Smith, I, I just kind of question the longevity of how long this could, uh, you know, really kind of carry out for um, while also acknowledging that, you know, they have done a nice job and, and won some big games to this point. I do think this division gets two teams. So I, I, I do think, to me, Seattle's a lock to make the playoffs right now. Um, the Niners, let CMC carry us and pray to the football gods he stays healthy. Kyle Shanahan got his toy. I mean, you've seen for two weeks how he plans on running this offense. And if Jimmy Garoppolo can function the way he functioned last week, which was very good, by the way, one of his best performances of the year. Like if you can get average Jimmy Garoppolo through the rest of the season, the defense is good enough. They have enough offensive talent. Like we're kind of on a crash course. I feel like, like it's, Feels to me like it's going to be the Niners and the Eagles in the NFC Championship. Like, that kind of feels like where we're headed. Are the Niners going to win that game? No, they're not talented enough. They don't have a quarterback. But they're going to be really good. They are a great team. They are the second best team in the NFC, in my opinion. I would put the Seahawks third. Um, I, I, I just... I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of what the Niners are doing right now. They're well coached, got a lot of talent. And as long as Christian McCaffrey stays healthy, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely like the the Niners more than uh, more than the Seahawks. Um, you know, kind of moving forward the rest of this year. Obviously, you mentioned the McCaffrey ad, but even just adding that on to what you already have with Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and the ability of Kyle Shanahan on offense, and you pair that up with a defense that right now ranks top five in scoring efficiency. So uh, I think there's a lot to like with the. Oh, Ryan froze up for a second. So yep. we'll take over. We'll, we'll we'll take over. And there. then there were two. And then there were two. Um. So Bradford, uh, what do you feel about the Niners? I think the Niners are better than the Seahawks. Um, I think the Niners. I agree. Jimmy G has his limitations, but I think having CMC and Debo in a Kyle Shanahan offense is going to be so much fun the rest of the year. 
And I don't really see a reality in which this Niners team does not reach the postseason. And that's really all I have to say about them. I just think they're pretty solid all the way around. Good, good defense, capable offense, good coaching. Seems like a recipe for success to me. And I, I agree with your point about them being like uh, capped out for the for the NFC Championship game. Yep. We'll see if Ryan comes back here. Um, Bradford, this episode has ran way too long. Is this a cut it in two kind of episode? Yeah, maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see how, how it ends up. Uh, uh, we'll see how long it takes Ryan to jump back in. Well, actually, we will pause for recording right here. All right, Ryan back. Let's finish this thing up. This has been a long one. Maybe I'll cut this into two. Probably not, though. We'll probably just... It's been two weeks, you know? People are people want the end zone podcast you know they're, they're clamoring for it they can they can handle one two hour episode once or twice during the season uh but we needed to do this today to the less positive side of this division the rams time to rebuild the offensive line and probably draft another wideout oh wait uh to me, we talk about teams in bleak situations. The Rams are in a bleak situation. Considering the fact that there were very real reports that Sean McVay and Aaron Donald both wanted to walk away after last year. They don't have an offensive line. Allen Robinson was a huge miss. They don't have any high draft picks to really turn into anyone else. Odell Beckham is not saving you. Odell Beckham is not picking the Rams at this point. Like, to me, they are the most screwed team in all of football. They don't have, like, they You're gamble. You're a Broncos fan. What are you talking about? At least the Broncos have picks. They gambled. They won. They won their gamble. I'll give them credit for that. It paid off. They won a Super Bowl. That's great. That's the end goal. They won a Super Bowl. But they have to realize that, you know, there there are consequences to actions. And they need massive help on the offensive line. And the way you do that is by drafting offensive linemen. And they don't have picks this year or next year or the year after that. They're they're just they're they're kind of in a rough spot. And for a guy in Sean McVay who was very close to ke- to chasing television money last year and a guy like Aaron Donald who has already said my publicly my legacy is cemented with one Super Bowl ring like I don't know I think at least if they miss the playoffs one of those two is not back next year or maybe both like uh, McVeigh doesn't seem like he wants to be a coach forever and I'm not sure he wants to commit to a rebuild. And that's kind of what the Rams have to do. They kind of have to rebuild because they just don't have the talent. I I think that uh, – I don't think that they're totally screwed for next year, but I do agree there there is some concerns about Donald and McVay not returning. I, I still think that this team could bounce back next year and do all right. I, I still think they have the players for it and the coach for it, at least for now, if he doesn't leave. 
but uh, most of your concerns are, are pretty justified, I feel like. Yeah, I agree with that. They're no longer a Super Bowl, you know, contender. And, uh, you know, maybe they sneak into the playoffs as a wild card at some point, but they just went so heavily all in kind of to your point on that, Eric, that, you know, there's just not a whole lot left in terms of draft capital and young talent uh, that you would want to kind of replenish after you have some of these, uh, you know, casualties of, uh, you know, winning a Super Bowl and, and that cost of knowing that you can't keep everybody. And who knows, to your point, could be even more of those big hits coming in the near future for them. Yeah. And finally, the Cardinals. You know, I don't like swearing on this podcast, but I had to do it for this one. And and this is this is an old Chiefs phrase that you may remember. Fuck it. D-hop down there somewhere. <laughs> that that's kind of what the Cardinals are at this point. <laughs> They're, it's hilarious. Uh I am laughing at their downfall very heavily. Uh Cliff Kingsbury, <laughs> what an absolute fraud. Uh not a real coach. Uh not n- not a real competitor. Uh Kyler Murray, not good at quarterback. Not good at quarterback at all. Very bad, in fact. And they just gave him a huge deal. Um what what do they even do? Like what like I guess you probably have to stick with Kyler because you're committed. To me, they're very much similar to the Broncos, actually. A team that has some intrinsic roster talent that is expected to be good year in and year out, but doesn't have the coaching and the quarterback doesn't live up to the hype. They're kind of Broncos NFC to me. And they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. I'm interested to see how they, how the rest of the season plays out. To me, Cliff Kingsbury cannot survive this season if they miss the playoffs. And even if they make the playoffs, he cannot survive this season because he has not done really anything in his entire career to show that he is a competent NFL play caller. He's just not. This man had a losing record with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. I mean... What else can you say about him? I know it's college. It's a different game, but oh my, this guy had Patrick Mahomes and he went like, he won like two games one year. Like, how do you do that? Yeah, this roster is uh, is way better than what, you know, the output is of what they've had. And for Cliff Kingsbury, he may be a fine offensive coordinator, but he is not a good head coach. Um, it's clearly weighing in over his I head. would argue he is not a good offensive coordinator. That's fair, too. <laughs> That's fair, too, because I think that to kind of knock on him further, like, I don't even think the offensive line is as bad as it was last year. I think it's improved. Uh, and to see that Kyler Murray hasn't developed and that the offense hasn't gotten any better and that the defense still is, you know, very leaky with even... And, you know, having a lot of playmakers right there with guys like Buda Baker, Isaiah Simmons, Byron Murphy, J.J. Watt. Like, it should not be this bad for the Cardinals, and it is. And uh, it's, you know, pretty disappointing. And I would argue they've had a tough schedule for sure. But, uh, you know, you, you got to play better than what they have so far. And with that, we're out of here. Two hours probably. Good episode. Talked about every team in the NFL. Obviously, don't do that every week. Good one. I'm just going to do plugs for everyone. Follow Brad on Twitter at there is no cold. He's starting to tweet more. He's a good dude. Give him a follow. Follow Ryan at Roadkill823. Follow Rothpod. Roadie on the Horn Podcast. Great podcast. Boys, we did it. We will see you next time. Until then, peace out.